You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, we are right on time for the July 2022 edition of the Cardinals Insider Podcast. I almost got you. We'll explain why that was funny. I almost got you, Larry. Our guest today, along with Larry Stade and Joe Pfeiffer, I'm Brett McMillan, is Brendan Ryan. Just on time is kind of uh, what Brendan is known for. Walking in right there. Not late. Nope. Not early. There's no no reason to be early. Right. Always want to be on time in baseball, but don't have to be early, right? Like that big entrance, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Right on the money, and he gives it like a yeah. aha. Yeah. Like we all should like. I'm not late. Applause. We should How applause when yeah. you arrive on time. Yeah. That's your expectation. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That is like the one for anybody who's who's watching or listening today who doesn't know. That is like really the one rule, as I understand it, in the big league clubhouse is be on time. There's a lot of other stuff kangaroo court can figure out, but be on time is kind of uh, always the big one. So we'll try to be on time as we talk today. This is really fun to have you in here. I was looking back over your baseball reference. We all remember the great defense, uh, some of the facial hair, the flat brim on the hat. You know, you've got, I was telling somebody the other day, maybe a little bit of a Bo Hartish type uh, cult following. I think still even people will really enjoy hearing from you, but uh, four years in St. Louis, I didn't realize 10 years in the bigs congratulations that's hard to do but i i did not know i did not know you were a 10-year guy i i mean yeah i I never expected in a million years um but you fool enough people you get in the right spots (laughs) and uh doors open apparently i mean i'm here so but uh but yeah that is kind of the the magic numbers that the 10 now i didn't get 10 full full years in but um 10 seasons you know, and and uh, yeah, I'm I'm very proud of that. I think any player is 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 proud of you know whatever time they were able to serve at, at the highest possible level. I mean, you know, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy when you look at the odds and all that stuff. And and you know, there's some good fortune that that plays a big part in it too, making people believe that you're worthy and and uh, that they want to invest in you. And 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 that's you know super humbling. So you know, I'm I'm forever thankful to. To, well, Walt Jockety and Tony, and then, of course, you know, Mo taking over after that. Yeah. What was that like playing for Tony? I mean, such a fascinating – we've talked about him with several other people we've had on the podcast. A fascinating man in baseball history, still doing it, third yep. winningest manager of all time. What was your Tony La Russa experience like? Oh, boy. I mean, where do you really begin? You know, um, it's funny, you know, because you might have different answers depending on what part of the career you – played under under him and so for for me he was my first big league manager you know um but specifically I I kind of looked at him as as sort of a second dad kind of thing you know I looked at him for guidance and um you know for me I mean Chris Duncan was was around but Yachty was like you know the day he got in he was already a veteran it seemed and felt like you know um but Dunk was like the closest guy. You know, Rasmus would end up coming up later on and all that. But, but I was kind of uh, a little bit on my own that way. Everybody being so established and and all that stuff. And uh, you know, Tony didn't allow for any, um, you know, any uh, picking on the young guys or any of that stuff. He, he didn't like any of that. And uh, 
So, you know, if and when some of that stuff would pop up, you know, a lot of it's harmless. Bringing, you know, beer to the bus or, you know, go get me a coffee or something like that. All, you know, paying your dues. But, but, um, but he, he was, you know, big in my corner. And, and what can you say about somebody that gives you the opportunity? I mean, he, he didn't have to, but, um, but he did. He penciled me in. He believed in me. And, you know, and then as we get away from that, uh, later on, as I'm no longer a cardinal, um, he found a way, you know, you kind of cross paths and he would go out of his way to say hello and wish me well and ask about my family and, um, and all of those things. So you remember all that stuff. And, uh, and I, yeah, I care a great deal about Tony. And, you know, we had a conversation once with Ryan Ludwig, not mm. on the show, but he said something that, that you said a little earlier before this, mm-hmm. all the teams he played for his entire career, Tony LaRusso was one of the, or the smartest baseball guy that he ever met. Not even close. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, and you can't say it enough times, but it's, I think it's what people expect to hear also. But, you know, having like been around it and, and the hard part was just understanding him half the time because he's a, you know, a little <laughs> bit of a mumbler. So you kind of, you don't know whether to laugh. Like if it was a joke there, it just kind of, so I'd kind of nod my head and. A combination of a ton of incomplete sentences. It, yeah, right. That too. Yeah. 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 yeah tough. So you go to one of the veteran guys, what, what, what do you think he was trying to tell me there? <laughs> you kind of talked about earlier today when we were uh, before the podcast, you talked about kind of your Mount Rushmore of baseball people yeah. and knowledge, and Tony's one of those guys. Yeah, I mean. You've got a couple other on there, too. Yeah, though. you might not <clears throat> expect. Um, you know, Teddy Simmons is is probably in that category. I only have three guys, you know, and, and – uh, the, the the other one would come as a little bit of a shock, I'm sure, to a lot of people, but that's A-Rod. And that is, I don't hesitate at all saying that. I mean, he was he was amazing. I mean, just an incredible baseball mind. And, and you know, in my time with the Yankees there, I was telling you guys that, uh, you know, I think Didi Gregorius was like the youngest guy in the clubhouse. Everyone else had like at least seven years and or a lot more. And, I mean, you, you know. When, he, when A-Rod spoke, everyone shut up and listened. I mean, he had something you may never heard before that might change your career, might change the game that day or a series. He just, uh, just an incredible mind. I think a lot of people might be shocked to hear that. What do, you, what do you think it is that makes guys that way? I always find this topic really interesting of like baseball IQ mm-hmm. because it seems like some of it can be learned. Matheny used to say caught, not taught. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it can mm-hmm. be, some of it can be caught but it seems, or taught rather, but a lot of it maybe, um, I don't know, it's just intuition. Is that fair? Some of, yeah. some of us might have it and some of us might not. <laughs> well, it's interesting what you pick up from the different guys. You know, you, you might pick up one little thing, but it's a specific, you know, time in the pitcher on deck or whatever it may be. But then someone might also teach you a different way to think. And that's going to encompass a whole slew of things i mean that that's the stuff that might change your career you know and when you see guys studying the video and they're not even watching for hitting i was talking we were talking about curtis granderson earlier Mm -hmm. and watching him study the video and he's not even he's just studying for base running you know so i think it's like a lot of it's hunger a lot of it is just sort of being wired a certain way where you can just the brain never turns off you know and and i think a rod was that way but i don't think He's unique to that. And a lot of the guys that have that crazy success, they go home, they take those at-bats home, as, as we're told not to, <laughs> but you're running through it. You're playing all the at-bats backwards, and, and 
you know, like a, a walk does, does not mean a good at bat, like a 14 pitch walk. Right. I mean, like how many pitches did you get to hit in those 14 pitches? Right. So there should be maybe some regret in that at bat, even though you ended up walking, um, you know, stuff like that. And, and, uh, I'm losing myself where I'm going with it. Well, but. great minds, great player. <laughs> yeah. We're we're fortunate to have Albert back right here in 22 after 11 year departure. Yeah. Um. And I in we're seeing the impact on the field, but but in the dugout in the clubhouse, um, the fans are seeing the impact. Um, you can tell how much how thrilled he is to be back in St. Louis and in the Cardinals uniform. Mm-hmm. He had a huge impact on you. Yeah. Um, on yeah. and off the field. Yeah. He, I mean, he was. Um, you know, he, he was someone that really put his arm around me. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm I'm known to be a a, a a little bit of a goofball, and um, hadn't heard that. And <laughs> <laughs> depending on the sense of humor uh, that may be around, that 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 can rub people the wrong way at times. Um, but you know, I think what mattered was between the lines. No one had to worry about me. I, I knew what I was doing, and and I was going to be in the right place at the right time, and all that. Um, but Albert really put his arm around me. I mean, he. You know, some of that rookie hazing stuff, whatever it may have been, he really was was not into it. Um, you know, you, you see just uh, I heard a story about him and Wainwright about a, a big uh, painting that was that was bought for Wainwright. And then it was like, you know, then he bought me that big chain. Every, people asking me about the chain still. Um, he bought me this huge white gold chain that it would hit me in the teeth as I'm running to first base and stuff. <laughs> And, um, and that was just, a result of you commenting on his chain. Yeah. Right? My, you know, look, I was up in 07 yeah. and it was like, <laughs> it was, I'm telling you, stuff was happening. I don't know how, like swinging bonds stuff. It was just working. So, Hey, the iron was hot. I was at like, you know, 355 through a couple of months and I wasn't going to last, but like, Hey, it's in 355 right now, you know, how about that chain, Albert? Like <laughs> I got this little silver one, but Hey, it's got hits in it. It's got hits in it. You need a couple hits tonight. We could swap, you know, that whole thing. And <laughs> and then, you know, what does he do? What does he do? Almost like a good husband just kind of like remembering, you know, and then and then paying that gift forward later on for Christmas, whatever it is. He caught me later on in the season and threw me this big pouch. And I caught it, and I thought it was all his parking change, you know. Uh, there was just a bunch of coins. I looked in there. It was a white gold chain. I mean, you know, obviously pretty darn expensive, but who cares? I mean, he was on his own time clearly thinking about someone else, thinking about me. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that was really humbling, and uh, he was happy to do it. I think he was actually uh, a little upset because I think he liked my chain better than the one that he had made. So he had another <laughs> chain or two made. But then I noticed, like, the next year he got Colby a, a, a watch, and it was, you know, diamond-studded and – and uh, and then he was doing all that stuff over in Anaheim. So he was taking care of people, and this is stuff I like to t- I like to tell because, um, you know, the fans don't get to hear this stuff. Right. But it was like every year he'd have a guy, and he'd get him a super special gift, and super generous, just uh, amazing guy. And and then getting to play with him again in Anaheim. I mean, you know, um, I I thought I thought he broke all my vertebrae in my back. If I that even makes sense. Uh, the bear hug he gave me and the excitement, it was, it was, uh, it was awesome. So just to get to play with him on another team and, and see what he was about and all that, it was no different. 
You saw what happened with the Dodgers. I mean, he was there one day, and it looked like he'd been there, you know, 20 years his whole career. Right. You know, just what an amazing guy. Well, I think our fans have so much affinity for him. Our younger fans, <clears throat> really young fans, didn't really maybe get to see him play much. Right. But to hear your personal story, mm. I think that even drives my affinity for Albert sure. higher. Yeah. As a result of how he treated you. And to hear the hear about the person he is. Right. You know, beyond the great player. Yeah, you see all the baseball stuff on TV, exactly. all the records and exactly. all that all that. Everyone sees all that. Yeah. But to get a more three dimensional look at how special he really is, and especially off the field. Um yeah, I miss those golf tournaments too. Those were some <laughs> sweet goodie bags. I mean, like <laughs> PlayStation this year, Xbox the next year, and that was just one of the things in those goodie bags. Is it hard to believe you've been out six years? I mean, yes. time, yeah. Yeah, it really is. You know, coming back for, for fantasy camp uh, out here a couple weeks ago and, and suiting up again, ah, you really miss it, you know. Really, really miss it. But it was it was great to get a, another taste. And then, our, you know, that last game right here at Bush? Right here. Out at shortstop, yeah. I'm looking around. There's, you know, 100 people in the seats and all that, and the, you know. But, but uh, boy, a lot of memories come flooding back and, and – uh, I'm just I I consider myself really fortunate and lucky to to have been a cardinal and I, I don't mean that uh you know as a kiss up or whatever right. I'm trying to say but yeah. uh when you finally got your ring here I did yes <laughs> oh oh 40 man roster in AAA in 06 they win it and then get traded after 2010 and they win it oh bookends I was looking at that too, and I wasn't going to bring it up, Joe. But uh, uh, yeah, I finally mean, finally got his ring here in '22. You, well, it gets worse too. It gets oh, yeah, worse. It does get worse because I got traded oh, yeah. from the Yankees to the Cubs for like two weeks, and the then 16. they won the World Series. Going into '16, you right, right. you were a player to be named later, correct? That December was it? December of '15. What what was that experience like? I've never got to ask someone this. Are do you know that you are on the list that gets submitted? Do you just get a call one day? How does that work in in the trade? So that one was kind of weird. It was, uh, I want to say Adam Warren and I went to Chicago for Starlin Castro. And what I was told was they were trying to move Baez. I'm like, well, it's a good thing that didn't work out, I suppose, because uh, he ended up being a good ball player for them. <laughs> but, um, but that was it. And whether it was going to be at second or whatever – but goodness, it did feel a little icky. It felt a little, what, sacrilegious, right? Like, oh, I'm going to put the Cubs stuff on? Like, oh, <laughs> I guess I have to. I don't have a choice. <laughs> but, did, but, did you yeah. end up going to their Winterfest? So I was all signed up. Okay. I was doing. The, I was going to do all the caravan, everything. Okay. They, they were, like, booking things. And then, uh, like, two days later, they're like, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to let you go. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> all right. Oh, well, but then I got to be an angel after that, and that was interesting. What was it like? We just talked about Albert, but you played with Mike Trout, yes. too, and Albert just, I mean, is glowing about the guy. He was yeah. in here for Kyle McClellan's podcast, The Chatter's Box. Uh, you can check that out on our YouTube or anywhere that you get your podcast as well. Just didn't have enough good things to say about Mike Trout. Yeah. What was it like playing with him? Everything you'd expect. I mean, like... And a man's man, you know what I mean? Like he just—he didn't—he just commands the room just with his presence. Um, gets along with everybody, you know. Um, it was interesting to see someone so accomplished, with so much career left, 
hold him like just have so much reverence and and to, like just kind of push the attention to to Albert. You know, he he. It was it was funny because it was like you know tagging along like a little brother or something like that. He he just. He wanted to soak up stuff from Albert because, you know, there's a gold mine of, of knowledge and, and right. stuff there to soak in. And, and uh, but the attention, he just he didn't he didn't feel like he deserved it, you know, yet. And Albert, while Albert was there, Albert's the man, you know, and and uh, so obviously a super humble, humble guy, you know, and uh, to see like, OK, I'll give you one story. Trout, it was unbelievable. Uh Ichiro was un- unbelievable in batting practice. I mean, he, 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 if he had 30 pitches, 28 were homers. I mean, like, and the other two were like, you know, line drives on the chalk, left field line, like that kind of thing. All intended. So his, his BP was in second to none. So we're in, we're in the Bronx and uh, uh, 2016, and Trout's taking BP, and he's clearly got a plan. So he's taking pitches even middle in, and he's getting inside of them, and he's driving them like to the to the bullpen and even just over the bullpen and right center. And I mean, like, like the same four seats, like boom, boom, boom. I mean like four out of five next round, like same four seats. Like what the heck? And what do you think happened? His third at bat. He came up there, got the pitch he was looking for all game and hit it right in those four seats in the game off a major league pitcher. Like, not and it's not a Bronx homer. That's a homer anywhere. Right. You know, but the fact that like just to, <laughs> it's different. Can't relate to that. Just happy to be there to witness it. You know, pretty incredible. I would like to have just gone the other way one time in my life. Yeah. Just one. I'm hearing yeah. that story and, <laughs> intentionally yeah, too. It's frustrating yeah. for you. It, the rest oh. of us, it's like there's no way to pull your hands in and have that kind of power. He's it's just yes. unbelievable. So. Strong yeah. and compact. Compact and quick. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's – and he's able to lay off of stuff a lot too because yeah. his swing's so compact. He's right. going to see it so deep. You know, that probably helps him lay off of some of those nasty two-strike sliders or whatever they are, you know. Mm-hmm. But, wow, what what a joy to watch him work. I mean, doesn't take a bat off, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud to say I was his teammate for sure. I don't know that he'd say the other – Way around, but <laughs> well, you mentioned Ichiro. They've said that about Ichiro that if he wanted to be a thirty home run guy, yeah. he would have been. Yeah, but he just had the ability to hit balls all over the ballpark and right and utilize his speed. But it would, it would yeah. have been interesting. Yeah, to to see if he had begun his career in oh, today's what baseball. What would the numbers have yeah. been? What what he would have probably had a completely different career. Well, and he definitely would have broken Rose's record. I mean, oh, if he started I mean, out if here, he started here. Oh, no question. Yeah, I mean, what yeah. a, what an amazing Hall of Fame career yeah. to think about when he started here. To still be north of three thousand hits in the big leagues It's just unbelievable. I've never seen anyone start a guy, the leadoff hitter, off with like a, a with a slider, not even like a hanger, like a start off with a slider, and he took the first pitch of the game way back, way out. I was on deck. I was like, who swings at that? And then drives it almost upper deck. But that's Ichiro. I got to play with him in New York too, and uh, and it was funny to see him in Seattle and in New York. In New York, he was amongst a bunch of, you know, superheroes or whatever right. you want to call them. And, and uh, so he was like a funny guy. Like all this personality came out hmm. in New York. Really? And uh, yeah, it was, it was funny. He was pretty quiet in Seattle and, and you know, doing his thing. But, uh, but I really enjoyed the New York time with him. 
He's a special guy. He's a really funny guy. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, you know, talking about personality, so you came back to Fantasy Camp. Yeah. And a couple of your teammates were part of that as well. And they were revisiting some of the stories. Right. Kind of about what your personality was like. (laughs) You were taking it all in stride. You know, you were laughing along. What was it like? to revisit it then versus, you know, some of those things when you were playing? Well, you know, it's funny because as you're telling some of those stories, stuff's popping into your head that you've completely forgot about. As you're telling some of the stories, you know, um, you know, we talked about when uh, (laughs) the game game in Cincinnati. Here we go. uh, Here we go. Yeah, I I was a... so I think I, people want to hear that from your perspective. Yeah. So we all have nightmares. Uh, I'll tell you what was funny, though. I was telling the story in front of, like, Ozzy and those guys and, like, how funny that they thought it was because, you know, they've sort of been in those shoes, but not exactly those shoes. Right. So they could imagine the stress and anxiety and everything. Well, they were not They were never in those untied shoes. Yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. I mean, th- there were so many layers to the nightmare. This was the, uh, you know, the diehards will remember this. Mm-hmm. This was... Uh, 2010, we're chasing the division against the Reds, and uh, uh, this is an ESPN. I think it's Sunday Night Baseball. I know ESPN's doing the game. Uh, we have a five-pitch first inning, and I went back into the tunnel to go take some extra swings. And um, I, like I said, five-pitch first inning, so boom. Our guys are out on the field. Uh, again, in Cincy. So Carp's out there on the mound, goes through his warm-ups, and there's no shortstop. I'm s- still in the cage hitting. And uh, anyway, one of the guys comes running in, big sweat. He comes, uh, Dennis Reyes, he comes running in. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you go, man, you got to go, you know, all that stuff. And, and I was, I, anyway, I, I end up running out. And I, as I get to the dugout, I, I start to see all the, all the red cleats on the field. I'm like, what is going on here? And uh, Carpenter is trying to figure out where his shortstop is. I think he's, I think Carp was yelling at Skip, like, where, where is he? I think Skip told him I was probably eating ice cream in the clubhouse or something, which probably didn't help the situation. That probably really helped. <laughs> and there was a good chance he was right, but this time he wasn't. Um, so anyway, cut back to me. I'm uh, now to the dugout. I'm going to po- go past Tony and Dunk and Joe Patini and the rest of the gang. And as I'm running down the dugout to run out on the field, it, it occurs to me that, oh, oh, no. Oh, no, no. We had a bunch of kids in the dugout, and they wanted to try my glove on. So I took my glove back to my locker, and it was sitting on my chair. <laughs> All the warm-ups have been done. Everyone's just been standing around, and I'm running down the dugout with no glove. And I looked to my left, and I grabbed the first glove I saw, and it was Aaron Miles' glove, um, one of my best buddies. 
and it's a little, what, 11-inch glove, you know, whatever. Does, I've just got to go get three outs. Let's just go get this done. Still a huge hurdle in front of me, though. <clears throat> so I get out to short, and I throw my pants over my shoelaces real quick. Boom, boom. And I look up, and Carp's looking right at me. And he sees my shoelaces are completely <laughs> untied. And he says, uh, well, he says, are you going to tie them? I'll put it that way. And I said, uh, <clears throat> and he says, uh, are you going to tie them? He, you know, he doubles down on it. And I said, nope. And I turned around and faced the outfield and started fixing the dirt. Please, God, get on the mound and make that first pitch. Okay. We've only, we're halfway there now. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets on the mound and he throws the first pitch. And uh, Miles E saw that I had his glove. <laughs> so he goes running back into the clubhouse. This is on, this is happening on ESPN live, right? So now Miles E's at the top step in the dugout and he's got the glove two feet over his head and he's shaking it. Brennan, Brennan, you got a glove. And I'm like, no, 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 stop, don't. Oh God, now everybody knows. Throw it to me, give it, let's do it. Carp steps off the mound. Glove gets thrown to me. Now I'm throwing my glove back. It's skipping in the dirt. I mean, like, it just uh, it just can't get worse, you know? And uh, so I go back to short. I have my glove now. And uh, <laughs> it was either the, the one of the next two pitches, ground ball, left side to DeRosa, not me. Out number one. I'm telling you, if, the, if there's a ball in the gap, there's no way I'm keeping my cleats on. <laughs> I can say this now. I can say this now. Uh, but the next out is a fly out to center or left. And then the next out, ground ball left side to DeRosa. Three outs. So then we get through it. I'm going back to the dugout. I'm like slapping her like, oh, my gosh, can you believe that? We just got through that, you know, and, and uh, one of us didn't find it very funny at all. And uh, that was all captured on camera and then shown on ESPN. And, uh, and, uh, and, that, and then the next day, we had the Brandon Phillips situation. And then it was like kind of swept under the rug, sort of. Um, but, you know, as I would like back to your, your, your question there, Larry, uh, what, probably 20 minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> we you know, need to get him in the room with Whitey. Right. <laughs> one one question for each That's hour maybe maybe, done. maybe yeah. two yes. yeah one a and b uh one of the coolest things about that whole thing and and i only remembered it as as i was telling the story a couple weeks ago was how many guys came by the room just to kind of check up on me and 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 make sure that you know that i was okay and and all that because it was a little bit traumatizing i mean it was you know i mean it was a real life nightmare and uh but we got through it and you know, thank God for teammates because, you know, they're the ones that help you pull through stuff. And and it meant the world to me to have that many guys come hang out in my room and just kind of to be there, you mm -hmm. know, and support me. That was that was a actually, you know, one of my toughest baseball moments, followed by one of the coolest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And speaking of <laughs> your, your teammates, what did it mean to you then? So you're your teammates at fantasy camp, they're kind of razzing you about yeah, that, yeah. about some other things. And they were Tom saying, McClellan and Jason Mott, and Jason Mott, right. the names. And, right. Uh, <laughs> right. 
And <laughs> one of them said, well, they were both saying it shows you how good he was because with all that other stuff, right. he might not have been here if he wasn't that good. <laughs> but with Ozzy sitting there, and it just didn't disrespect Ozzy at all, they said, mm-hmm. if not for the fact that Ozzy Smith had played for the Cardinals, you might be looking at the best defensive shortstop in Cardinals history. Wow. And it was your teammates that said that about you. Oh, that again, when your peers are saying something like, you know, something complimentary in general, it, it, it just, I mean, it holds a lot more weight. You know, I mean, those, those are the guys that, you know, have done it. They've been in your shoes. And, and when they're singing your praises and especially something as humbling as what you're sharing, I mean, that, you know, that, that means a lot. You know, I mean, I, I didn't hit 30 homers. I didn't make any all-star games. But, you know, defense meant a whole lot to me. It was something that came fairly natural. But, you know, there comes a point, you know, and, and you know, are you just going to plateau or how do you take that talent and then and then continue to, you know, raise the bar? And, and that happened for me, my first big league camp, when I got – one-on-one attention with Jose Kendo for, what was it, like nine straight days. And it was like we had an hour or whatever it was, and he worked my butt off. But he did things like whether it was a drill or whatever it was, I could only accomplish or be successful at the drill if I was doing it the way he wanted me to do it, which was ultimately going to put me on the path for essentially higher percentage, you know, catching ground balls and throwing just to be in better position and all that stuff. And, and cause you see a ton of guys that make web gems. You know, there's a ton of talent in the minor leagues that, mm-hmm. that never makes it. And it, you know, as a shortstop for me, I had to go above and beyond to prove as a young guy, Tony, you can trust me. I'm going to prove that to you. That was a, that was a, that was a big hurdle. I mean, I don't think it was a secret that, you know, Tony relied on veterans and all that stuff, but without a kendo, I, I don't think I would have ever been the shortstop that, you know, I, I sort of became at least defensively um, because that is a special, special man. And I got to have one-on-one time with him and the legendary George Kissel. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and talking with Joe and Larry here, it's, it's, it's almost like, boy, if I could say it in one sentence, what I wanted to do, I, it would be to, I, I would love to be the next Jose Akendo to carry that torch that, he seems to be caring for for George Kissel, you know, someone else taking that torch and and influencing the organization, you know, you know, because he would it wasn't just infielders, you know, he Yachty took ground balls with us mm-hmm. almost every day. Yeah, um, you still see him do it. He, he yeah. got outfielders in there because he believed it would mm-hmm. translate to, you know, just better athleticism, cleaner footwork, just being a better defender. I and, never want to disparage. Any other organization when I do a comparison, mm-hmm. but what set what set those guys apart? What set Kissel and Okendo's teaching styles, models, communication level apart from what you experienced in other organizations? I think when I think I don't I want to say I want to make sure I say this right. You're right. You know, when you see Latin guys playing the infield, there's there's some beauty. There's a lot of finesse and. Um, yeah, fundamentals play a part, but that fluidity and that, that it's almost like they're dancing out there. And, uh, and I mm. think that's important, you know, that your soft feet means, mm-hmm. you know, everything starts from the ground up. Mm. Right. And so soft feet, soft hands, 
all that stuff. And, and, um, you know, Mr. Kissel, I mean, he, he was, oh my goodness. I tell you what, you'd be on the backfields in Florida in, in whatever, after the season doing instructs and he would, you're like, how are you hitting 300 ground? Like, I'm going to die. I mean, I, I can't do this anymore. And he's ready to hit three more buckets. You're like, how is this possible? Um, but he worked your butt off. And he, he also, I think it was like, don't take this for granted. Think of how many people want to be in your shoes. So why would you not work your butt off? Why, why would you not find out how good you can possibly be? And that carried over, you know. So, man, I was a fungo diva. If you couldn't hit fungos, like, just don't even bother. I'd rather not take your ground balls, mm. you know. But to me, it was all about I want every different ground ball I can, I can sort of simulate before the game because I need to find out what I can get to and what angles I can take, you know, um, to cut the distance down from that runner to go into home to first. You know, a lot of guys, you see they rely on arm strength, and they, and they, they kind of work around the – that outfield edge of the grass and they don't gain any ground. And now you juggle it for half a second. You, you got to be perfect or, or it's too late. Um, so that's also been something that's cool. Guys have reached out to me in the off season. I've worked with Brad Miller and I got to work with Trey Turner mm. in, when I was uh, um, with the nationals for, for a minute there. He's not bad. Yeah, but he, <laughs> no, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> like freak that's athlete. Awesome. I mean, freak. Yeah. yeah. But you know, he would skirt along the out, part of the grass and the ball would just take you know another two bounces that it didn't need to take and then you're having to really catch it transfer it and then rip it and if it's left or right of the first i mean it's going to be bang bang like make the job easier Mm. on yourself and and akendo helped me with that i mean depth paying attention knowing that the batter runner knowing the runners on base and all that stuff and then calculating your depth and then all of that's factored in from the pregame work with knowing who you are today. I'm, I'm not, you know, the groin's a little sore or, the, you know, what can I do? What kind of angles can I take? It all just, it's all a part of it. And uh, um, Your arm if, was sore in the second game of fantasy camp, oh, so you had to adjust. I did. Yeah. yeah I threw a ball down. between his legs to throw one runner out of first base. <laughs> well, Ozzy was Probably watching. One of the best plays we've seen in the last decade, and it was a fantasy camp. So, yeah. Ozzy was watching. I had to I had to do something for Ozzy there. I was excited to play in front of him. So we, we and Brett's got some more questions. I just want to ask this one real quick. Mm-hmm. It, and you mentioned it earlier. Um, you know, we have the most active alumni base in all of baseball. Not That's not us saying it. We have the data to support it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to engage all of our former players, and we do that to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. But then we have segmented opportunities where we, in essence, know personality-wise from our experience with the guy. Fortunately, we had a great experience with you when you were a current player here. That's nice from 2007 to 2010, I think we knew as a front office if we needed something for a client, for a sponsor, a sick kid, a last-minute request that you were always – Sure. To be there for us. Um, you're back. Yeah. How does how does that feel to be back and kind of part of the Cardinals family? Well, I, I can't even put into words what it means to me. I mean, this, you know, you're growing up and, and, and you know, for me, it's the Dodgers every night, you know, and, and uh, you grow up, you want to be a Dodger. Um, you got the Kirk Gibson Homer. I mean, that, that like just hmm. kind of big imprint on, on you at a young age. And then, uh, you know, um, 
yeah, so so I'm losing myself here, but help me out here, Joe. Cardinals family. <laughs> to be right? Cardinals back family, with the Cardinals. Yes. Yeah. So, to, well, because, yeah, this happens too much. <laughs> Sorry. Turn 40. A, a mouse, uh, not long a mouse ago. went across the floor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, look, when I got traded away, I was telling you guys it was it was, um, it, it was tough. It was really tough because this is what I knew. This was my, my comfort zone. I, uh, I, I thought that, I you know, really kind of fit into the the kind of what it means to be a Cardinal ball player, right? You know, always play hard, but, you know, I didn't have that offensive, like, ability that you're seeing out there all over the place today where guys are just driving the ball out of the park, all fields. Um, but I, that was never asked of me. Tony, you know, made it very clear what my role was, and it was like, play defense, do that, and then... Actually, I remember him telling me in Milwaukee, calling me in. He says, I'm not going to tell you what I tell Yachty. I'm not going to tell you that, which is he can go hit list the whole season and he's going to be behind the dish every single day. I won't say that to you, but your, be- your defense better not slip, you know, um, which, which, mm-hmm. which was as honest as it gets, right. you know. Um, yeah, so to be welcomed back, you know, the way you guys have, I mean, it, it just, boy, I, I don't want to use the word closure, but it sure feels good, you know, having, because again, what I was starting to say was people were trying to make sense of the trade, you know, it was traded for a, a single a pitcher with, with, you know, the through a hundred, um, you know, but, but it was like, well, hold on. What, how did, what's going on? And then, so anyway, it became in the media, like, well, he's a problem in the clubhouse and, and that kind of thing. And, and it just, it was, uh, it was kind of gut-wrenching, you know, to hear those things because in no way did you believe any of that was true. And then, you know, as I went to Seattle and New York and, and Anaheim, it was like, I, you know, I was ended up being praised for the clubhouse stuff. Like, we love the goofball stuff and, and all that. But, but to hear there was such a negative here and that was why, you know, it was just like, can I just fade away into the distance and just, you know, be forgotten about? I don't want to hear all that stuff. It's not even, not even true. But so here we are, full circle, and to get to see Modder and McClellan and those guys, and then now we're gonna do the January fantasy camp. I mean, I mean, like, there's so many different oh teammates goodness. of yours that are so excited to see you. Oh. Like when Freeze found out you were at the St. Louis camp, he's like, can't wait to see him in I, January down in Jupiter. So the feeling is more than mutual. Yeah. I, I. I that makes me feel so good to just even hear that. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that's awesome. John Jay, Alan Craig, all of those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they were all getting established on my way out and and I missed I missed that, but uh certainly certainly rooted for all of those guys in their careers and and it'll be awesome to catch up for sure. Yeah. They couldn't have, we couldn't have done the World Series in 2010. They had to just wait, to wait one more year. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, but you got that fantasy camp ring. Like yeah, they that's said. true. Hey, yeah. hey, you yeah. got You haven't one. lost it already. No, right? kids won't leave it alone okay. right now, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, this uh, has been really fun. I think that's a great place to leave it. We said at the top, you know, I think fans really, you're about to go do something at the museum as we speak. I know sure. people are going to be excited over there. And uh, you're one of those fun figures in Cardinal history. You know, a hundred plus years, there's just some guys, I think, from each era that kind of stand out. They were really good players. They maybe weren't the Hall of Fame players, but they had the personality, and you sir, certainly uh, fit that bill. So. Well, I got to play baseball for a living. I mean, how bad could it really be? You know it's what I mean? about as good as it gets. Yeah. yeah. I just wished I fooled him a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't fool anybody. Your defense was elite. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had a lot of help. Yeah. And let's yeah. point out, he did hit, and I'm, I'm sorry, I yeah. said 291. It was 292. Uh, yeah. in, you shaved in the point. Yeah. I did. 2009. Yeah. 2009, yeah, 292. Yeah. That was it. I, needed, I think I needed five hits the last game or something to hit 300. <laughs> well, off Jeff Supon, by the way. Oh, no way. Yeah, I think it was off Supon. I fouled out my first at bat. I was like, oh, that's it. Oh, well. Do you have any other? Uh, I, we, I said we were done, but that makes me think of. My do you have fault. any other? No, no, no. We yeah. like this. Did you have any other teammates you faced down the down the road? Two AL teams, but in interleague, did you mention Soup? Was there anybody else you ever got to face on the other side? From like the Cardinals. Well, from anywhere, I guess. But yeah, maybe well, from like St. Jason Louis. Vargas. I played with in Seattle, and then he got traded for Kendrys Morales. I got close with him. Um, that was super weird. You know what was screwed up about that too? He promised he'd throw me a heater. And the first pitch he threw me, he threw me two change-ups. He threw me two change-ups. He promised friend. he would throw me a fastball. I can't believe he did that. Did you look bad? Yeah, grounded out. I just playing the long game. You can't trust the pitcher. He's standing there you in the dugout that. and told you that yeah, years before. You can't do that. <laughs> Maybe he stubbed his toe that night or something. I don't know. He deserved stump something. <laughs> Well, this has been a whole lot of fun. Brendan, thanks so much. And uh, we'll see you in January in Jupiter, I guess, at Fantasy Camp. Yeah, I can't Camp. wait. That'll I be... can't wait. I think we'll just end it right there. Brendan, really so good to catch up with you. I know that our fans are really going to love getting to hear from you, too. For Larry and Joe, I'm Brett. Also for Brendan, this has been the July 2022 edition of the Cardinals Insider Podcast. You can email us, podcast with an S at cardinals.com. We really appreciate any ratings, reviews, subscriptions that you can give the show as well. Travis Hawkins ran cameras today on our YouTube version. You can listen to us anytime, of course, wherever you get your podcast. For everybody involved with the show, my name is Brett McMillan. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.